episode 105, bonus edition, interview with Justin Ashley. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. This is Gretchen from Always a Lesson here to empower you to reach your potential. In fact, I call you elite because only an elite educator would take the time to invest in themselves by listening to a podcast just like this one to help hone their craft. Well, today's a special day because we have a guest appearance. I want to help you reignite your passion and potential by learning from another elite educator, Justin Ashley. He's got such an empowering message. But before I let you tune in, let me share a little bit more about him with you. So this episode is near and dear to my heart because I actually know Justin. He's a teacher in my school district. He's actually an award-winning teacher. He's also a motivational speaker and author and a public education advocate from where else? Charlotte, North Carolina. He started teaching in 2007. He's a highly sought-after speaker for professional development, not only in our district, in our state, but nationwide. He's been an inspirational keynote presenter for thousands of current and future teachers. He's creating an atmosphere that bounces back and forth between rap silence and raucous laughter. And in 2013, he became the only teacher ever to win both North Carolina History Teacher of the Year and North Carolina Social Studies Teacher of the Year. Same year. That's crazy. He is currently pushing to the forefront of the conversation of work-life balance and low teacher retention. So while he was winning as a teacher, the rest of his life careened out of control, ultimately landing him in rehab for an addiction to painkillers. Well, his self-discovery process and road to recovery led him to research ways to combat burnout and then reignite his passion for teaching, a journey that he shares in his new book, The Balanced Teacher Path. So there is a lot he wants to share with you. I'm just super excited to introduce him to the world. So let's dive into the conversation with Justin. Hey, Justin, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Oh, hey, Gretchen. Thank you so much. Really excited uh, to take part in this. Thanks so much for having me. Well, good. Um, elite educators around the world are really just excited to hear what you have to share today. So I'm going to get right to it if you don't mind. Sure. Well, why don't you start and share how our two paths crossed? Kind of flashback. Did we meet at the one of the North Carolina conferences? Yes, we did. The North Carolina Elementary Educators? Yeah, N-C-A-E-E. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of where we touch base, and, and then, of course, uh, setting things up through uh, my publicist with Free Spirit. That's so exciting, and we're going to dive into yeah. that in a minute, um, but let's start. Your story is so amazing, and I know you share it at lots of conferences, so I want to kind of put my questions on hold for a minute and just let you start and share just a brief uh, synopsis of, of where you've come from and, and why you're wanting to share your story with others. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I've been teaching for nine years uh, in Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. Um, been very fortunate, really, my first few years to, um, you know, receive a few Teacher of the Year awards, you know, at the, the school level first, a few years later at the district level, um, and then for the state of North Carolina. 
so, you know, after a few years of kind of being a rat racer and, and really trying to put my whole kind of soul and spirit into teaching, um, I, I thought I was at a place where I should be happy, where I should be content. Right. Uh, and it was really the opposite. I completely burnt out, uh, completely unhappy, uh, disconnected from uh, my wife, my son. Uh, had like a hundred dollars in the bank account, you know, I wasn't getting sleep at night, was not uh, exercising. Um, and I was just in a very, very dangerous place. So, so, um, at the end of, I believe it was a 2013 school year or 2014, uh, went to a rehabilitation program, started off my summer, uh, there to deal with some depression, anxiety, teacher burnout and uh, prescription drug addiction. And, uh, really learned a lot from that experience, you know, Definitely a rock bottom moment, uh, but kind of found myself within that and, and, and really rediscovered who I can be as a teacher, as a parent, as a father, um, and just somebody who's enjoying life again. So I'm back in the classroom, um, you know, on my way to full recovery uh, and just in a, in a much better place than I was before. Yeah, and what I love about your story is the fact that when you look at someone that has all these awards, you think they've got it all together, that, you know, they've got the perfect right. life. But, you know, pull back the curtain and you're hurting and you've got all these things going yeah. on. And that's what I love about what you're doing now is encouraging others to make sure we have balance. And, um, you know, like you were mentioning, just that disconnect between your personal and professional life. I mean, I admire people that – go full throttle 100% in the classroom, and then they have no life. But at the same point, it's not healthy. And you saw <laughs> what it does. Um, and, yeah. and I'm sure it was so painful to go through that time. And I can't even believe you want to talk about it because it seems like such a dark place. But maybe it's yeah. healing for you to talk about it. I'm not sure. Yeah, it does suck to talk about it. It's like <laughs> one, of those, <laughs> it's one of those things where you like – want to pretend it didn't happen, you know, and you want to talk about, you know, naturally we want to talk about good stuff. We want to talk yeah. about things that we're proud about, um, you know, but in reality, I think, I think it's better to be real with the audience and, and real with, with other people, you know, to be vulnerable and open up because um, I don't want to want to have that facade. I think you're totally right. Like we glorify in the movies and television, yeah. even in professional development, we glorify like these perfect teachers we expect teachers to kind of be superheroes you know to be superman and and really that's not reality like we are people too we're not just teachers we have families we have kids we have friends and have to sacrifice all that for the sake of our students that's not some that's not a route that we really need to glorify you know that i think we need to glorify work-life balance and if you do that um then you can really be a great teacher in a, in a more sustainable way a lot of teachers you see that um if there's a movie made about them or if there's, you know, a big award, a lot of these teachers, they end up unfortunately leaving after a few years, whether they go into a different profession, uh, they burn out uh, or they move up into administration, which which is, is fine. That's for some people. Uh, but we need teacher leaders to stay in the game. You know, 50 percent of teachers are quitting within their first five years. Yeah. Uh, so so right around the time you're starting to get good and you're really learning the craft. Uh, you're ready to, to do something else. And that's not good for kids either. So I, for me, sharing the story, one, helps me make sense out of it. It helps me say, okay, it was worth it to go through that really dark time if I can be a light for some other people that yeah. are maybe in the same struggle. Uh, and two, I think ultimately it's going to help kids because it's going to make teachers uh, you know, better people uh, and help them last longer in the classroom. So really, it does suck, but um, 
it's empowering in the same way to kind of share the story. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a shame that admin doesn't really encourage teachers to go home. You know, they always kind of praise the ones that are, you know, the first ones there, last Staying ones late, to leave. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I think that they're realizing they're losing good teachers because you just can't keep up that stamina forever. And when you share your story, I hope leaders listen and say, you know, I have to rethink what I'm praising because teachers look to what admin likes. You know, if they like the ones that are, are working exactly. that hard and earn the awards and everyone wants to rise up, which is great, but you can't sustain that. Um, and so I hope some leaders are listening today to know that uh, we got to change the way that we look at what makes a teacher great. And I'm going to ask you that in a second um, because sure. I really just want to make sure that we know, like you mentioned, we're humans first, and if we don't take care of ourselves, we can't then go into the classroom and take care of kids. And really, that Absolutely. seems like selfish, but in the end, it's really the most selfless thing that we can it do, is. putting others before ourselves. So um, I know you were mentioning you, you taught for a long time. So thinking about you know being a teacher, what is a lesson you think you learned? Mm -hmm. I know we talked a lot about work-life balance, but was there something else that you feel you would like to share about the le best lesson you've learned? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my, my favorite books is a book by John Maxwell, and it's called uh, Failing Forward. And uh, I learned lear really learning that lesson and learning how to, to fail forward in my first few years. Uh, I think a lot of teachers come up with creative ideas, creative lesson plans, and they get kind of really pumped and really excited about it. Uh, but then it doesn't go as planned. Um, I remember my first year teaching I had this just the best lesson plan ever, or so I thought it was the best lesson. Um, and it was actually I was going to dress up as a Civil War soldier um, and and jump into the classroom from the window. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So I had like a full like cotton uniform, wool and cotton uniform. Um, I had the hat. I had a fake beard, you know, and all, all this stuff and. Uh, I even invited my literacy facilitator into the classroom to, to watch this lesson play out. I was so happy and, and kind of excited about it. So she was watching the kids. Uh, I went to the teacher's lounge. I dressed in this full uniform, uh, already starting to sweat from the moment I put it on, right? <laughs> I ran around to the back of the school. The window was kind of cracked, and um, I jump in from the window uh, you know, just surprise my kids. And these are third graders, keep in mind. So some of them uh, are totally terrified. They, like, run towards the door thinking, like, stranger danger. Like, <laughs> yeah. some, you know, creepy old guy. It's like, down. The class. Yeah, lock down. Get out. Save yourself. Yeah. Um, and then a few a few others kind of saw through the costume, and they laughed and giggled about it. Um, but once we kind of got them calmed down, and once we got them settled down, I started trying to teach them uh, through – my story, sharing the Civil War, talking about what the battles were like and things of that nature. Uh, but from the very first moment that I really started teaching them, I realized, looking at their eyes, that they were not engaged, they were distracted, and what I, the content I was going over was way too high, way too difficult. I didn't give them any background information. Uh, I didn't really uh, prepare them for this lesson, okay? And then after I, I talked with them, I gave them some informational text, and we had some questions, and um, they, they had so many questions about the text itself that it was too high level. It was on the higher reading level. Um, the questions they just weren't getting. So hands were flying up all over the room. The literacy facilitator and I were, um, you know, running all over the room trying to answer these questions. And it was just like a colossal failure. And slowly she kind of creeped out, you know, towards the door. And then she just left me with the kids. Aww. And I was like, oh, man. 
So I wrapped up the lesson. I took the kids to the uh, bus lot a little bit later, dropped them off for dismissal, and then I went back into my room and I just bawled my eyes out. I just cried at my desk, and I was like, so I was so disappointed in myself and right. so frustrated because I really thought it was a great idea, a great lesson. So I bawled up the lesson plan. Um, I took it to the trash can and I threw it away, and I started walking back to my desk. Um, and then I just stopped myself and I said, no. Like, no, I'm not going to give up on this idea. It was a really good idea. I I executed it the wrong way. So I walked back to the trash can, you know, go through the trash, got the got the paper, got the lesson, spread it back out on my desk. And I flipped it to the back on the back of the paper. And I wrote down everything that went wrong that I wanted to fix. And I came up with these ideas year after year. Um, by the fourth year of doing these pass blasts, it was the most fun experience that the kids were having. They were reflecting on in in the classroom uh, as they were looking back at the end of each year. We ha- and instead of me dressing up and getting in those like hot costumes, I just I got um, people from historical museums, right? Experts, uh, reenactors. They came in. We had a World War II parachute trooper. Uh, we had the the uh, Wrightsville. I'm sorry, the Wrights brothers. Their sister, a reenactor, came in. Uh, we had all different people, an American Indian, tribal Indian came in through the window. That's and we great. actually had, yeah, I mean, the kids really loved it. And we had like a time machine painted around the window. So it looks like physically they're coming out of a time machine into from the past into the present. Oh, my God. And just look, yeah, so just little things, you know. And I had them write questions down before. And we read texts about the people and things like that. So what started out as the worst lesson ended up being one of the best lessons, but it was because I refused to let that failure kind of make me feel backward. And, and, and rather than doing that, kind of fell forward and just kind of stumble my way into success. So that's what I would say to, to teachers, really. Uh, don't give up on a really good lesson that was executed in a bad way. Just stay with it. That's so good. That's quotable. I may tweet that later. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But what I like about what you said is your idea was there, and it's almost like teacher talent, right? It takes a while to cultivate it, and that's what your idea needed. It needed more time. It needed you to refine it. It needed you to sit there and hash it out. And, you know, teachers, we don't have that kind of time with planning. And so, like you said, it took years of teaching the same thing until you finally were like, I got it. It's, you know, to where it's effective. Sure. So I absolutely absolutely love that. Um, I know I, we talked about great educators, and I did want to come back to that. So now we're here. So how would you describe a great educator? You've met a lot of people, especially receiving your own awards. What attributes would you say really makes a teacher great? Sure. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, really, if you look at it from, from an outsider's perspective, you know, there's, there's kind of three kinds of, of really great teachers, especially from, like, a student's perspective. Uh, there's a teacher who can make learning really fun, make make learning really exciting, have, having a good time in the classroom. Uh, that'd be the first type. Second type would be the ones who really make learning meaningful, right? It's uh, They're able to teach those standards really well, uh, if able to promote those higher levels of thinking um, where kids truly get a lot academically out of the classroom and grow a lot, where they add a lot of academic value. Um, the third kind is really the toughest kind, and it's and, and I'm still trying to get to that place, which is a, a, a mesh of, of both of those, the first and the second, um, making learning fun and also teaching those higher levels of thinking, teaching those even dry, boring standards, and finding a way to bring them to life in the classroom for the kids. That's 
That's, uh, good. that's where the struggle struggle is, you know. Like the struggle, the struggle is so real because I can on one day I can get one uh, or the other, but to, to get both <laughs> right. of them at the same time, like that's that's the struggle. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's a day by day thing, and you really have to put a lot of attention and energy into into balancing that. It's really a balancing act, but. That's the goal. That's where I'm headed right now for me. I think that's what makes a great teacher. And so building on that, how do you think you are able to sustain that? What prep goes into you being able to then make that come to fruition? Uh, yeah, really good question. Trying to um, not just come up with all these ideas on my own, really having kind of a, a board of directors of different teacher leaders and, and different um, ideas uh, and using those as a springboard. I, I use Symbaloo.com and okay. I bookmark. All, yeah, I bookmark all of the uh, teachers that I'm kind of following, many of the bloggers uh, and different teacher leaders, and I use them, you know, to kind of help me come up with my own ideas and my own content. Obviously, starting with those standards, uh, but even raising it a little bit. I look at what teachers uh, at a higher grade level are doing, and I kind of try to meet somewhere in the middle. You know, recently I went to the North Carolina Social Studies Conference, and I'm, I teach eighth grade. But just about all of the sessions that I went to were from high school teachers. Okay. And uh, see, seeing and hearing what they're doing kind of helped me say, okay, this is how I could raise the bar a little bit. This is how I could increase my rigor. Um, and also paying attention to the kids. You know, if you eat lunch with your students, if you play with them at recess and have conversations outside of the classroom, you start to get a gauge on what they're really into, like what they're really fascinated with right now, the, the, the lingo. Um, the athletes, the music, the songs, the dance, whatever it is that they're into. And then you kind of integrate that into the lesson to make it more engaging and more fun. Yeah, that's so authentic. That's, that's, that You know, and mm -hmm. I used to get frustrated because every year your class is different, so you can't always use the same tactics. And I'm like, gosh, exactly. I'm never making any headway. <laughs> it's, but, it's always changing. Yeah, but you're right. The relationship piece is so much bigger than I ever thought. You know, I, th I thought it was all about content, and, and I realized I can't get anywhere if I don't know my kids. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, definitely. So we've got a bunch of different – uh, listeners to the podcast. So we've got new teachers. Some teachers are in some sort of transition or in a distressed situation like you yourself were. And then we've got some teacher sure. leaders. So if you were to pick one bucket of those teachers to just speak to for a second, what piece of advice would you give them? So I would, I would probably pick the distressed teachers um, just because that's currently my area of focus with the balanced teacher path. Um, and I would say, um, don't look at, at, at your effectiveness and your happiness as a teacher uh, as something that's singular. Look at it as something that's plural, right? Um, we see happiness as, oh, man, if I can just, uh, you know, make sure all my kids meet growth uh, or make sure that I get a, a, a high marking or a high rating for my principal, um, then I'll be happier, then I'll feel more content, and I'll feel like I'm doing a great job and, and, and fulfilling my mission, really, as, a, as an individual. But but truly, the people that are able to find happiness in a sustainable way uh, and last for a really long time in the classroom are, are teachers who uh, go for happiness in every domain of their life, who pursue happiness, not just in their career, but also in their health, uh, in their finances and then uh, in their in their physical you know body and in, the, in their emotions and with their mental uh, capacity. So so really, happiness is not singular. It's something plural. If you can focus a lot of your energy uh, and rediscover your passion for life and for uh, your family uh, and for your health and your friends, then you're going to be more passionate 
in the classroom. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, how can I become more passionate as a teacher? Well, being passionate as a teacher is a reflection of being passionate as a person. You know, are you really living life to the fullest outside of the classroom? If you are, that's going to spill over to what you're doing with your students and inside the classroom. And I know you were mentioning connecting with other teachers, and when you're planning, you really want to make sure you're bouncing off other people. You're going to conferences and looking up to make sure that you're preparing your students for what comes next. But if you were to pick, you know, one person that would be your mentor, other than just collaborating with educators, you know, on a daily basis, would there be someone that you kind of go to as the guru for yourself? So, so you know, in the beginning years, it was definitely Ron Clark for me. Yeah. Uh, I heard him speak a few times. You know, I was a North Carolina teaching fellow, um, and, and hearing his story and his just the way he interacts with his students, just so high energy and just, you know, so innovative and, and, and the, the songs, the music, everything he does. So still definitely Ron Clark will always be a big one for me. Um, I, I'm really tapping into a lot of of, of mentors outside of teaching you know there's a lot of great teacher leaders but uh right now you know i think looking back to some of the classics and some of the old school writers and authors and um self-help uh gurus you know i've been reading norman vincent peel a lot and uh just his books and he's you know from the 19 1960s 1970s wow. he's, he's you know he's been he's been dead for a while now but he <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you can have a dead person as a mentor, he would be my mentor, <laughs> That's awesome. uh, you know, and, and really because of, of this, the self-help, positive thinking, things are so busy and, and hectic right now uh, in my life, and I'm grateful for, for everything that's happening uh, as far as the book and, and speaking and teaching with my family, but if I don't keep a positive mindset and if I don't have that constant flood of, of optimism coming into my mind, I'll start to really get discouraged and depressed and, and pull back and think that I can't can't do these things. And really, I can't do them in my own power. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get religious, but I feel like it's a God thing. And, right. and he's also a Norman Vincent Hill is a former uh, preacher, a minister. Uh, so it's got that spiritual piece into it uh, as well. But I think. All teachers should really look for for teacher leaders and look for inspiration in the teaching field and then also even outside, you know? Yes, I think I that's agree. important, too. Yeah, because a lot of what someone's going through really applies to your own situation. And what I find that I love about having someone in the business field or, or marketing or HR is it's almost refreshing to hear their, their side because I'm yeah. so – in education that sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't listen to one more person's story or testimony yeah. or whatever. And then you hear this person over here and you're like, that's reinvigorated me. And it applies to my situation in a different way. So I 100 percent agree. Have some people in the field and some out. Absolutely. Um, sure. Well, thinking about just kind of being on top of what's going on in education, you mentioned going to some conferences, reading blogs. What other ways do you kind of keep up with what's hot right now? Uh, well, you know, those are kind of the, those are kind of the big ones right now and working with my publisher and some of the other authors, uh, at Free Spirit, you know, looking at some of the things they're, you know, reading and writing about and, uh, some of the blogs and the posts. Uh, I'm going to tap into podcasts now. I mean, you kind of opened it up for me a little bit. That's going to definitely be one that I want to get involved with. Um, and just paying attention to what's going on in my building, you know, in, in the, in the classrooms beside, uh, mine. Actually, I'm in a trailer now. I lie. 
but in the trailers, trailers beside uh, my trailer, and then in, in the hallways. There's some really good teaching going on, and sometimes I think we kind of let that pride get in the way at our school, where it's like, uh, I don't know if I can learn from them, or, you know, I don't know, I want to see myself as being one of the best teachers, but, but letting the guard down and, and asking other teachers on my hallway or, you know, in the trailer park around me, what are, what are you guys doing? Uh, and what's working for you and what's not working for you. So That's not awesome. looking at, yeah, so not looking at what's going nationally, you know, but also looking at what's going on in my building, what's going on in my hallway uh, is very helpful. I just like that you're someone that, who is, you know, come so far in your own career and you're still looking to learn from people who might not have been teaching as long or might not have been as effective as you yet. And you're still open your eyes to, hey, how can we work together and, and what can I learn from you? That's pretty cool. Yeah, everybody. Everybody brings a different skill set, you know, and, and these younger teachers, I'm kind of in the middle, you know, going into my almost 10th year. So I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not not quite an old, you know, old teacher yet, but I'm not a rookie anymore either. Yeah. So, um, you know, looking looking back, the, the, these younger, newer teachers, man, the technologies that they're able to use, uh, these digital citizenship skills that they've got. I mean, as older teachers, we've got to really look look back and say, this is great. Like, like we need teach us, you know yes. what I mean? Um, and then on the other end, uh, younger teachers, you know, the older teachers have, have been through the struggle. We've been through it and, uh, we've got some things figured out. So rather than having them learn from the experience, I think it was Andy Andrews who said, um, you know, the best way to learn is not through experience. The best way to learn is through other people's experience, you know, because then you don't have to go through the That's pain, yes. <laughs> the pain of what they went through. Uh, you don't have to step on that same landmine, you know. So um, I think younger teachers tapping into that uh, for the older teachers and then the older teachers looking back and saying, wow, how can we use this technology and these, these new innovations that these younger teachers are bringing to the table? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up podcasting because, um, you know, some people are for it and some people are not. I didn't really know much about it when someone roped me in and said, hey, turn your blog into an audio blog. And I was like, what's an audio blog? Yeah. They're like a podcast. I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, well, you just yeah. kind of talk into a recorder. I'm like, why am I talking to myself? Like, this is weird. And they were like, well, teachers don't have time to read anymore. And if you want to make sure that you're able to help people, you got to meet them where they're at. And so if they're at the gym working out, they can listen to you. And I was like, that's interesting. Absolutely. And um, Absolutely. Or uh, in the car even, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think colleges now are giving – credits to go into your first year of teaching, you know, professional development credits if you're listening, active listening to podcasts and able to, whether you write a research report on it or whatever you have to do for the requirements. And I thought, that's cool. How many teachers would love to get PD credit for listening to professional development, you know, in the car, at the gym or whatever? I thought, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I mean, I was listening to, you know, this morning, a few of your podcasts, I was listening to clear the cash. I really love that one. Uh, just about being, being present, you know, physically and, and, and mentally at the same time. And with your, I think you were talking about your daughter, right? Yep. Um, and how she, how she was, you know, you were, you were scrolling through social media and she was like staring at you and then so you looked up bad. and you like, <laughs> so bad. I do the same thing. I do. I, I absolutely do the same thing, but. No, it was definitely convenient for me because I'm running around with my kids around the house listening to the podcast, and it's like, wow, that's this is very good. This yes. is very true. I need, I need to focus on that. <laughs> so, yeah, podcasts, podcasts, absolutely. It's definitely a, um, a great fix for teachers because um, you can listen to it in the car. You can listen to it, like you said, at the gym. 
Um, and it, it's just way more convenient. So I'm going to tap into it for sure. Yeah, and I think what I like is I've met some of my best friends I know it's kind of creepy are people I haven't met because they're all over the world and I've met them yeah. through a podcast. I'm like, wow, our yes. stories are similar. I really want to hear more. And then you're tweeting each other and then you're following each other on social media and then you're connecting. And it's like we have really just shrunk uh, our world of influencers and we're able to really learn from people. I mean, I've got people in Australia that have taught me these new teaching techniques and I'm thinking wow. we have got to share this with other people. Like how do we encourage yes. more educators to get out of their own building? Um, so I think yes. it's been great. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, let's talk about your book. I'm so excited to hear, you know, the behind the scenes and, and where you're going and what you want to do with it. So, so go ahead and fill me in. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, it's been like a three-year process, you know, really to, to get to this place where it's been published. It was published on March 15th um, when I was kind of getting a, a, a decent-sized audience to, to possibly write a book. I was going to write on something that I felt very comfortable with, which was making learning fun. Um, but I was also in counseling, and I received the advice to not write about an area where I'm an expert, but write about an area where I want to become an expert. Something that I want to become and not something that I already am. And obviously, I was really struggling with the work-life balance. Right. So I was like, all right, I'll do that. Uh, and in the process, it kind of revealed to me the path for living a balanced life and living a happy life uh, and still being a teacher, right? Because for a lot of us, we sacrifice um, our happiness to teach. And yeah. we're taught we're taught that that's the that's that's what you should do. That's something that is, uh, is really glorified. So, uh, for me, it's, you know, no matter what the book sales are, no matter what uh, happens financially with the book, it's helped me a lot as a teacher, be a better husband, a better dad, um, and really just a better person. So I'm happy with it, but I'm already getting reports that it's been helpful and, and, you know, getting, getting uh, requests to come speak at conferences and things. So I'm really great, great. Yeah, I'm really grateful, and I hope it helps some teachers. I'm not leaving the classroom. I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to leave teaching. If anything, it's, it's strengthened my resolve to, to stay in the classroom uh, and to be a teacher. But it's, it's really just about reconnecting with your family, uh, reconnecting with your friends, uh, little tips on, on your health, um, on working with a budget. You know, we're, how, do, how do we, as teachers, how do we live a financially secure life when we make nothing. such little... <laughs> yeah, nothing, exactly, <laughs> I wanted to say that yeah. <laughs> when we make when we make nothing um, and we're so busy uh, that we don't have time to really, you know, figure all this stuff out. We, we're taught a lot. We know a lot, um, but we haven't really taught ourselves a lot about, uh, you know, good financial practices. And how, we need to kind of reteach ourselves or, or learn if we haven't learned when we were kids how to write a budget, you know, and how to follow through with that. What kind of retirement plan we need to have to feel comfortable and safe. Uh, these are things I talk about in the book on top of, you know, sleeping better, exercise, uh, and just reconnecting with, with family and friends. That's great. Um, yeah. Is it just hardback, or can I get it, you know, to my device, or what? So so I know they have the paperback copy now. Uh, they just released that. Within a few weeks or a few months, they should have it converted to the ebook format as well. Um, and, yeah, so it should be kind of – it rolls out. You know, they, they, they do one thing at a time, and, um, you know – it's it's been a the, the process has been a little bit slower than I thought it would be, but I think it's better because they make sure all the ducks are in a row. That's um, good. And you know what I mean? They focus on on really making sure that everything's set up nicely 
and uh, I've been really pleased with my my publisher. They've been so good to me. It was like it was a like a long process, Gretchen. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I tried 50 different literary agents. Oh, I, wow. I I emailed my book proposal out to, and they were like, you know, tell me that this was never gonna happen. This was not gonna work. Da 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 da. So I was like, I'm just gonna keep going with it. So finally, somebody said yes. And then after that, it was another couple dozen publishers that told my agent that the book would never happen. Uh, and then finally, we found Free Spirit, and they said, well, we love it, we want to do it, we want to sign. And, um, you know, the rest is history. It's 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 out there. Another example of failing forward, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. My life story, right? That's my life story. <laughs> Well, I do want to be respectful of your time. So before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question, and that is just about how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? Sure. Uh, so I think I kind of hit on it earlier, but to reignite your passion as an educator, for me, that was owning up uh, to where I was at when I was not ignited. That's where it kind of started, is to stop blaming my principal. Uh, to not blame, you know, my, my, my wife or to not blame my politicians, uh, <laughs> but to really blame myself for where I was at, right? Yeah. Uh, because ultimately, uh, if I don't own the problem, I'm never going to be able to own the solution. Oh, that's uh, so, good. so, so, I mean, really like that was me is, is saying you, you are very depressed right now because of your choices. You are, uh, having some anxiety issues because of, of the habits that you've, you've set up. Um, you chose ultimately uh, to continue to take these prescription pills to, to, you know, do what you said you needed to do in the classroom. Um, and a lot of us, a lot of teachers do these damaging things to themselves in one form or another um, in the name of their students and in the name of the job. Wow. So for me, I had to own it. I had to own it. I had to say, this is where I'm at. Uh, I'm at my breaking point. If I want to change, uh, the pain just got to be that much. It was yeah. like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, and I didn't want to take my life, uh, but I knew I could not continue doing what I was doing. I could not continue teaching and living the way that I was. So owning it, going to uh, rehab was the hardest, uh, most difficult uh, thing I think that I may have ever done in my life. And, um, but it was also one of the, one of the best things, one of the best choices I ever made. And it was all uphill from there. Things just gradually got better and better. It was a struggle. Uh, but owning where you're at uh, and, and reaching out to other people um, to, to find out how you can reignite your passion. If you want to reignite your passion inside the classroom, reignite your passion for life outside of the classroom. And the That's other good. will follow suit. That's so good. Well, yeah. on behalf of Elite Educators Everywhere, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, Gretchen, thanks so much for reaching out to me. You got an awesome podcast. I really love Thank it. You. I look forward to uh, to continuing to listen, listening. And um, yeah, well, wishes to you. Now yeah, just shout out real quick yeah. how we can connect with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, JustinFAshley.com is the website. Uh, you can also connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter. Uh, and then if you want to look into purchasing the Balanced Teacher Path, it's, it's available right now for order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target and at my uh, publisher's website, freespirit.com. Great. I'll put all those links in the show notes so that someone listening can, can go there and just click right away. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gretchen. Oh, thank you. And we'll chat soon. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Wow. Wasn't that an empowering message from Justin? 
I am so glad that he was able to share his story. I love that I keep running into him unexpectedly. He just really reminds me that there's so much more than some of the common stressors that I face every day. He has been able to overcome numerous obstacles, insurmountable obstacles, and make something so much greater of himself for his students, for his family, for us teachers. And I'm just honored that I was able to snag a few moments of his time so that he could share his story. Please don't be shy. Reach out to Justin. Ask him your questions. Connect with him on social media. Find him at your nearest PD. He is all over the place, but he loves to chat with folks, loves to hear your stories, really just wants to help you through his own story. So make sure that you take the time to connect with him. Justin, if you're listening, thank you so much for coming on the show. I had a great time chatting. I hope to see you again, my friend. You are doing amazing things. I love that you are empowering teachers, but more importantly, that our kids right here in Charlotte are being able to reach their potential because of someone like you. So keep doing what you're doing. I'm behind you 100%. Wish you the best. All right, Elite Educators, that is a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with Justin Ashley. Now go out and be great because you've just been empowered. This podcast is a member of the Education Podcast Network, a podcast network that encourages you to think about your profession and succeed in the world of education. Whether you're a first-year educator or a seasoned veteran, there is a podcast for you. All of the shows are produced by educators who want to shape education through meaningful discussion and content. So head on over to edupodcastnetwork.com for more details.